Turn with me in the Holy Scriptures this evening to the 30th chapter of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel 30. We'll read together the first 20 verses. My text is the last part of verse 6. The Word of God at 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were therein, they slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives. Ahinoam, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and four hundred men, for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Bezor. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me, because three days agone I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, 
and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said unto him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them, David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, This is David's spoil. There ends our reading of the word of God this evening. May the Lord add his blessing to our reading of the Holy Scripture. I call your attention to the last part of verse 6. We'll read the entire verse. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. And then the text. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. No child of God is a stranger to discouragement. No one sitting in the congregation this evening is unfamiliar with the hard circumstances of earthly life that threaten the Christian with discouragement. Every one of us has known those kinds of circumstances, known them in the past, circumstances that have pushed us to the very brink of despair. Some of you are undoubtedly experiencing such circumstances at this very moment. Severe trials, great disappointments, painful heartaches, heavy burdens, a difficult way in life. David, the man after God's own heart, knew such circumstances in his own life. The circumstances that are described in our chapter tonight were such 
circumstances, everything that could go wrong in David's life had gone wrong. Absolutely everything. Although tempted to be swallowed up by these difficult circumstances, swallowed up by despair, David was not. Instead, we read about David in the text that David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. There's comfort in this passage. Comfort for every child of God. Every suffering saint. There's instruction in the text. Instruction where we must go and in whom we must find our help In times of discouragement, David is an example in the text, an example to believers in every age. Like David, when we feel ourselves discouraged, we must encourage ourselves. In the Lord, our God. I call your attention tonight to encouragement in the Lord. Let's notice three things together. First, why this encouragement is necessary. Secondly, in what it consists. And finally, To what it leads. We are not surprised that at this time in his life, David was discouraged, at least tempted to be discouraged. For it seems that everything and everyone had turned against David. To begin with, David was on the run. He was a fugitive. A fugitive with a price on his head. Although David had done nothing to provoke him, wicked King Saul had made himself David's enemy. He was determined to kill David, to prevent David from ever being king in Israel. David had been forced to flee, to hide out in the mountains and in the wilderness south of Judah. In his flight, David had been separated from his family and from his friends separated from everyone that was near and dear unto him. 
his father, his brethren, separated from the people of God, which was even more painful. The saints of God, the house of God, the worship of God in the Old Testament tabernacle. He couldn't do what you have been privileged to do today. What we often take for granted freely to gather together with like-minded believers for the public worship of God. For months now, David had been denied that privilege. In his flight, David had taken refuge with the Philistines. He had been befriended by one of the lords of the Philistines, Achish. Achish had befriended David in his flight from Saul. Achish had treated David kindly. Achish had given to David and to David's men a city of their own in which to dwell. It was the city of Ziklag. At this time, David and his 600 fighting men, the men who gradually had joined themselves to David in the wilderness, David and his 600 fighting men had left their families behind in order to join themselves with the armies of the Philistines to assist them, to go up with them to battle. But the other lords of the Philistines did not trust David. They were convinced that once the battle had broken out, David would side with their enemies, would turn against the Philistines. And so the result was that David and his men were forced to return to Ziklag. That, too, in the providence of God, to prevent David from warring against the children of Israel. They are the ones against whom the Philistines were preparing to do battle. Whether David knew that for sure or not, and it's a question whether he did, nonetheless, God in his providence prevented David from fighting against his own brethren and from fighting against the people of God. On their return to Ziklag, David and his men found that the city had been burned to the ground. It was nothing but smoking rubble and ashes. The Amalekites 
had invaded from the south. And they had smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. Besides, they had taken the women and the children captive and carried them away. Verse 3, so David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Verse 4 records the response of David and of his men to this latest calamity. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever cried until you couldn't cry anymore? There weren't any tears left to be shed. They had every reason, did David and his men, to fear the worst. In all likelihood, they would never again see their wives and their children alive. Those whom they loved dearly had been taken away from them. And then, the last straw. David's own men turned against him. Verse 6, the first part. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. They blamed David. They turned on David. They spake even of putting David to death. Now David had lost everything. Absolutely everything. Although the circumstances may be different, you have undoubtedly experienced similarly distressing circumstances as David. It's the distress of the saint who is laid low on account of some great affliction or other. It may be a debilitating disease, cancer, Lou Gehrig's disease, no hope of recovery, the doctors say, or some serious accident, automobile accident, work-related accident, 
that causes permanent damage or death. Maybe it's a brain tumor. Some other grievance, life-threatening illness. David's distress is the distress of the widow or widower who has lost their mate and is alone all alone. No matter how much time their children spend with them or their grandchildren, no matter how much time their friends spend with them or they're visited by the pastor and the elders of the church, They must still go to bed alone, all alone. David's distress is the distress of the parents who have lost a child, a dear son or daughter, It may be not the physical death, even, of their child, but the great distress of losing a child to the world, to a life of sin, rejection of the church, membership in the church, the instruction they've received from godly parents, not perfect parents. God doesn't give perfect parents to any children. But parents, nonetheless, who bring up their children in the fear of God and teach them the truth of the word of God, send them to catechism, knowing their catechism, to the Christian school, grade school, junior high, high school, who nevertheless turn their back on it all and lose themselves in the world. David's distress is the distress of those who feel themselves utterly rejected, left altogether alone in the world. It may be the distress of losing a close friend whose friendship was very dear to you, who for one reason or another forsakes you and turns against you. It may be the distress of abandonment. A wife deserted by a husband 
for another woman. It may be the husband whose wife leaves him for the arms of another lover, turning his back or her back also on their children, scarring them really for life, breaking the vows that they solemnly spoke before God and his church to remain faithful until death do them part. Or the distress of the first generation Christian who is forsaken by his family and by his former friends, her former friends, because now they confess Jesus Christ. Now Christ and obedience to Christ are the most important things in their lives. And their worldly friends and their relatives reject them, turn against them. Or David's distress is the distress of those who have been victimized by abuse, whether physical abuse or sexual abuse, abuse, the consequences of which are aggravated by the fact that the abuser was one in whom they put their trust. Perhaps a parent, friend, an office bearer in the church of Jesus Christ. One to whom they turned for help and counsel, who abused them. It's the anguish of the child of God who bears the pain of not being married, even though it is their fervent prayer to God that God would lead them to a spouse, a Christian spouse, or it's the anguish of the married couple who are infertile and who cannot have children, although they have prayed earnestly and long that God would give them children. David's distress is the distress of those who labor 
in the kingdom of Jesus Christ on behalf of the cause of his covenant who are not only unappreciated, underappreciated, they're criticized and rejected. The distress of the individual child of God who bears witness to God's truth and to God's good commandments, who's rejected, rejected and rebuffed and even persecuted for the testimony that they give. It's the distress of the faithful and spiritual members of Christ's church who live uprightly, but who suffer undeservedly by less spiritual, carnal, jealous members in the congregation. It's the distress of faithful office bearers in Christ church who expend themselves in their calling, take their labor seriously, perform their duties diligently, but whose labors are not appreciated and who find themselves being criticized. It's the distress of the faithful Christian school teacher who puts heart and soul into their instruction, the calling in God's kingdom that is theirs, but who are not appreciated by the children mocked by the children and young people with whom they labor and what's more hurtful by the parents on behalf of whom they labor. It's the distress of the faithful covenant mother who expends herself in her home and family, who isn't appreciated, ever encouraged in her calling by her husband or by her children. The covenant father who expends himself working at his job day in and day out in order to meet the needs of his family and to contribute to the causes of the kingdom whose labors by his children and his wife are not appreciated. Then it's very easy, very easy for us to become discouraged utterly discouraged to throw our hands up into the air. What's the use? Or to think to yourself, I can't go on. I cannot go on. One more step. That, however, was not David's response. 
and that by the power of God's grace is not either our response. This was David's response. But, but, unexpectedly, surprisingly, but, David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. That was David's response. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. That David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God, means that without question, without any reservation, David believed that his present distressing circumstances, painful as those circumstances were, were circumstances that came to him from the hand of God. He believed that. Of that he was convinced. Of course. Never did he question that. Not for a moment. They were hard circumstances to be sure. They were hurtful circumstances. They were circumstances that caused him deep pain. Heartache. They were circumstances of loss and sorrow and rejection and disappointment. But they were circumstances that came to him from the hand of his God. Otherwise, there would have been no encouragement for David in God David found encouragement in God because it lived in his consciousness that the circumstances of his life were sent by God were subject to God had been ordained of God there could have been No encouragement in those circumstances found in God if those circumstances were not subject to God. In these trying circumstances, David turned to God because of the living knowledge that David had that his circumstances were from God. Whatever now, your distressing circumstances, my distressing circumstances, that's what lives in your consciousness. Does it not?
from the hand of God. David encouraged himself in the Lord, we read. That not only tells us the one in whom David found encouragement, but that tells us how and why he could find encouragement in him. For the Lord in the text is really Jehovah. It's Lord, notice, in all capital letters. And that means that Lord here is the translation for Jehovah, the covenant God, the covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. David knew Jehovah to be his God, Jehovah to be his covenant friend, his eternal friend, his unfailing friend. That was David's comfort. That was the source of his encouragement at this time in his life. God's covenant and God's covenant faithfulness. Every other friend had forsaken him. He'd lost them all. They had turned against him. But there was one friend whose friendship remained. One friend whose friendship he could never lose. The one friend who would never betray him or turn against him. That friend was Jehovah, God of the covenant. But God is our covenant God in Jesus Christ, the Savior. David knew Jesus Christ. David knew himself to be the friend of God, not because of anything in him, nothing he had done, any condition that he had fulfilled in the covenant. No, David knew himself to be the friend of God for Jesus' sake on account of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, David knew that Jehovah God would never leave him or ever forsake him. That is, and that must be the living knowledge of the child of God. The distressed 
child of God. People of God, I call you tonight as I call myself. Look away from your earthly circumstances. No matter how distressing those earthly circumstances may be, look away from them. And with the eye of faith, look on Jesus Christ. Fix your eyes, the eyes of faith, on Jesus Christ as he is preached in the gospel. Look at his cross where he was rejected so that we might be received of God. Where he endured forsakenness, utter forsakenness. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me so that we might never be forsaken of God. Because David knew God to be his covenant friend in Jesus Christ, he says what he does in the text. What does the text say? But David encouraged himself in the Lord God. Is that the text? That's not the text. This is the text. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. His. His God. That's the text. Because God was his God. David knew. And David believed. That his present distressing circumstances. Painful. Though those circumstances were were circumstances that could never, ever be against him. The Lord, his God, the God who was for him, never, ever against him, but always, in every circumstance, For him, his God, the God who has his good, his eternal, and his spiritual good in view. David encouraged himself in the Lord, his, his God, that must be your 
And that must be my conviction. Suffering child of God. The Lord, my, my God. An amazing response. Unthinkable. What explains it? Nothing. Nothing in David. Nothing at all in David. Nothing in you. And nothing in me. What explains it is grace. The free and the sovereign grace of God. You see, he does not only sovereignly arrange the circumstances of our lives, but he works. He works this amazing response in the heart and on the lips of his child. He did in David's life. He does in your life and in my life. And to what does it lead? What is the outcome? Well, the outcome was that God gave David the strength to carry on. Don't you see? That's exactly the devil's purpose in discouragement. It's his purpose to incapacitate us. It's his purpose to put us on the shelf. To put us on the sidelines. Utterly discouraged. Unable to carry on in the calling that he has given to us. The devil's purpose is to keep us from carrying out our calling as God's children in the midst of this world. And now, by the grace of God, he's thwarted in that purpose. And we're able we're able to carry on in the circumstances in which God has set us, no matter what those circumstances may be. That's the outcome also for you and for me. The grace of God to carry on 
as individuals, in the particular calling in life in which he set you and me. The grace of God to carry on as a congregation of Jesus Christ in the world. Though our enemies surround us and threaten to undo us, the grace of God to carry on as a denomination of churches. Then God is glorified in our afflictions. That's the great purpose that the devil would prevent, not just our not carrying on in our calling, but are not carrying on in our calling to the glory of God, but encouraged in the Lord, we're able to carry on for the glory of the Lord. And then also for the well-being of those who are around us and on behalf of whom we are also called to serve. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. May God give us the grace also so to be encouraged. Amen. Father in heaven, receive our praise and our thanks. Our thanks for thy unfailing faithfulness as we can bear all of us testimony in the past and of thy sure promise that stretches into the future. Give us the grace to bear up for thy glory and our salvation. Amen.